Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me is with us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and with me as always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. Mo, it's December. <laughs> yeah. It's it's happy holidays, Mo. It's Christmas. Well, I, we don't use that word around here. I think there's a war on no. that word. A war, <laughs> if uh, according <laughs> a war on that word, according to the uh, uh, wonderful people of the United States of America. Uh, though I tell you, you mean I don't the, know if you the have the moral majority. <laughs> I don't know if you have the Hallmark Channel, but apparently they haven't heard about this war because they have about seven thousand goddamn Christmas movies <laughs> that come out every year. Um, I, uh, it's actually one of the most exciting things for me that for reasons why I'm not happy. I'm not living with my sister anymore because it would just be a constant, constant Hallmark channel fucking nonstop for the whole fucking month. Don't you feel, don't you feel the holiday spirit, Mo? I feel the holiday something. I, it's, I don't know if I'd call it spirit. I, uh, rage. That's rage. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I hate Christmas. Do you have seasonal affective disorder, Mo? You know, it's funny. I used to get seasonal affective so bad when I was still back up in Connecticut, and I haven't gotten it once since okay. I got down here. It's, Is it because you, know, you can barely tell that the seasons change where you live? Yeah, there are no seasons here. It's like it's hot or it's raining, and that's like it. Well, enough of this chit chat, Mo. <laughs> yes, yes. Enough of that bullshit. We have things to talk about. Mo, we're here to talk about ultra low budget shot on video. Uh, micro budget cinema here on the No Budget Nightmares podcast, which is a podcast that you and I both host. <laughs> I wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. I thought this was. I thought we were going to be doing a retrospective on the entirety of the MCU. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that, honestly, <laughs> that would be a much more popular podcast than the videos. <laughs> uh, that's something that people might actually want to listen to, uh, and probably would Man. get a lot less blowback from the directors that we feature on this program. Uh, no, Mo. Instead, we're going to go through. <laughs> I a- don't know. I don't know. I could imagine Ryan Johnson. Um, uh, I, I don't know if he did any of the Marvel movies. He I'm did not, Mo. Kind of, okay, well, whatever. I could imagine some big name director, you know, insert name here, um, you know, photoshopping my face into gay porn. Kenneth Branagh has photoshopped. Obviously, Mo, we're not experts on the MCU canon. What we yeah. are are also not experts on ultra low budget movies. <laughs> but uh, despite that, uh, a lot less people are likely to call us on it. So we are here to talk about an ultra low budget movie mo about animals rising up and attacking human beings very timely because of the way that we've destroyed the environment on this planet <laughs> <laughs> honestly i 
that's one of the things about watching this movie. You kind of think the people deserve it because of all that stuff that we've done, Mo. Yeah. But this movie is called Rise of the Animals from the year 2011. Great year, Mo. Year of our Lord, the year the punk broke. Um, what do you remember most about 2011? Um, well, I mean, I remember starting the year off fairly depressed and ending the year really depressed. <laughs> what year did this podcast start again? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I think it was after that. I, I think, think it was like, after that. I was just thinking that it, yeah. you, you got particularly depressed right as the podcast started, which again <laughs> would make total sense when you think about it. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> or just in, introduce hip hop logos into your life and see how things go. Yeah. Mo, aside from your depression, what else was great about two, 2011? Well, I mean, it was the year they made Rise of the Animals. Yes. From the year 2011. Now, I was introduced to this movie uh, a couple of months ago when I went out to Toronto for an all-night film festival uh, programmed by friend of the show, Justin DeClue. And he, at some point, I think it was like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., this was a 24-hour festival, We uh, he put on this movie, Rise of the Animals. I had no idea what to expect. He did prime me ahead of time thinking that this was like a primo, no-budget nightmare type movie. And mm. uh, it blew me away. Now, revisiting it... I started to be concerned that the one of the reasons that I liked it so much is that it was three in the morning and I <laughs> had not slept for a really long time. I'd been uh, really sleep deprived. I was dehydrated. I really needed to pee. Yeah, there was a lot of elements there uh, that were that were working against me. But I did, you know, I really enjoyed it. The crowd really loved it. It's a real crowd pleaser of a low budget movie. But I wasn't sure necessarily if I was going to enjoy it as much. The one thing that I was surprised to discover, Mo, is that this movie is really short, like way really shorter. Short. Like when you're sitting and you're watching a marathon of however many movies we watch, like 12 or whatever, um, a short movie is great, right? But you don't really notice it because you're not timing things out. This movie right. is almost exactly one hour long. Yep. I'm starting to think, Mo, all movies should be one hour long. <laughs> I, I, I feel like... Well, I mean, we, we've talked about like what constitutes sure. a feature length film. And I, I think we kind of fell upon like 75 minutes. But honestly, like an hour is fucking fantastic. It's fine. But I mean, it really it really is a case that when you see a movie that's an hour long, it it does change your impression of it to some extent. It kind of changes your expectations. Um, well, you don't have time to get bored with I it. I mean, there is that. And I think particularly when it comes to micro-budget cinema, yeah. like you really want to err on the side of not boring the fuck out of people watching your movie. <laughs> I wish I wish more micro-budget directors would err on the side of not boring the fuck out of their audience. Look, if you are a director with no money and you're looking to make a feature film, you should go one of two routes. One, 60 minutes, cut her off, perfect. The other, like three plus hours. Just fucking go with it, right? <laughs> make, make something that no one could ever possibly tolerate, but it would be such an accomplishment that, I yeah. mean, we would almost have to watch it here on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. It, it would definitely break records for longest episode ever. <laughs> and also break records for least listened to episode ever. <laughs> This is Rise of the Animals, yeah. Mo, from the year 2011, directed and written by Chris Wojcik. Uh, Mo, I have listened to the commentary on this movie, so I nice. am filled to the brim with interesting factoids about its creation. All right. Uh, one, here's some fun, Mo, <laughs> and listeners. <laughs> I should also mention that uh, if you want to check out Rise of the Animals, you can watch it right now. Uh, 
quote unquote legally on YouTube. I actually think it is legal. Uh, it's it's on the Kings of Horror uh, YouTube uh, page, which I've heard that sometimes the licensing is a little finicky in terms of legality. But my understanding is that you can watch this legally right now on YouTube for free. Um, and this movie mode was filmed in September, October, and November. So even though it takes place in a warmer time of the year, all the actors were freezing cold. They were in Rochester, New York, not in Florida like you, Mo. Yeah, that... <laughs> I, I couldn't imagine, like, I mean, because, like, looking at the outfits that they were wearing, like, they weren't wearing, like, skimpy things, this, that, the other, but they weren't wearing jackets, you know, and imagining, like, November in Rochester, I, I'd i be freezing There's my ass off. parts here where people are laying in water, you might remember yeah, literally as well, right? In water, yeah. <laughs> freezing their asses off, but you know what? Commitment, Mo. And obviously they were paid well for their... No, no, wait, I'm getting a message here. Nobody was paid for anything here. <laughs> uh, Whacked Out Entertainment presents a Chris Wojcik film. It's Rise of the Animals from the year 2011. Mo, this is a movie where animals, uh, for reasons that are undetermined in the actual uh, plot, they decide to rebel against humanity and just start murdering indiscriminately. Now, this... Happens in a uh, number of other movies as well, I guess most notably in uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Are there any other animal rising up and murdering people movies that you particularly enjoy, Mo? Well, I mean, there's the classics. There's like um, Them, you know, where you've got the, I believe that's the one with the giant ants. Correct. And then, of course, there's like Night of the Lepus. Mm-hmm. And what, 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 get, uh, what, uh, what attacks people in that case? I believe it's bunny rabbits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I have two schools of thoughts when it comes uh, two schools of thought when it comes to these kind of movies. Like one, I really like it when they go into ridiculous detail and explain the exact reason why this is happening. Mm-hmm. But I also really fucking love it when they give you no explanation whatsoever. And you're just sort of like, oh, this is happening now. All right. You know, like, uh, oh, oh, uh, Birdemic. Let's right, not forget Birdemic. I mean, I you did say movies I enjoyed, so maybe that shouldn't be on there. But uh, I mean, that's not true. I I I do enjoy Birdemic, but it's not by any stretch of the imagination a good movie. Well, you know what movie uh, I like, Mo, is William please. William Girdler's Day of the Animals from the year nineteen seventy seven, which sure, features sure. Leslie Nielsen having a big uh, fight with a grizzly bear. Him, mm-hmm. you know, mano a mano. Uh, a pretty pretty impressive stuff for 1977. Uh, also, it features Richard Jekyll in that uh, in that movie, Mo. Day of the Animals. Right. And there's <laughs> also uh, Food of the Gods. Of course. Giant yeah, animals. Classic. Giant animals. I mean, see, me, I'm I'm way more, like, attracted to a film that features large, giant animals. You know, like, I'd rather watch, like, because it's so corny, you know, mm-hmm. especially, like, look at, looking at, like, them, you know, giving that as an example again. Mm-hmm. You know, giant ants. Where it's clearly just an uh, they filmed an ant and superimposed it over the it's fucking hilarious. I love that shit. But I like, I mean, I guess you know, like obviously I'm a big Godzilla fan. I'm a big kaiju fan. So like giant monsters are sort of my they ain't thing. animals, Mo. They're different. I know kind they're not of animals. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 a different thing altogether. But I I, I it's do a different love... thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it. you love giant animals, Mo. That is not what this movie is about. This movie has no. regular-sized animals. And in fact, uh, it starts with some regular-sized animals. Before the opening credits, we get a little sequence to kind of uh, enter us into the world 
of Rise of the Animals. We start with a house in the suburbs, and we're, we get thrown right into the midst of some action where a woman who's already bleeding and holding a frying pan, she hears what appears to be a very annoyed cat mo. I love, I love, this is a great moment too, because the cat that they were filming was clearly not angry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and, and so you've got these, this, you've got this cat growling, but the cat's just sort of like sitting there staring. It's, I love it. I love but yeah, the, uh, but this whole scene, like, is a great start to how this film goes, you know? So yeah, as you said, there's a woman standing already standing there covered in blood with a frying pan and there's the cat growling. The cat lunges up at her. <laughs> and she fucking like swings for the bleachers, you know, and, and and knocks the cat into the sink and immediately like fucking mud stomps it down into the <laughs> garbage disposal. Yep. Uh- <laughs> and it's and it's clearly a fucking stuffed toy. Oh, but it's, and, it, it's still but it's, very bloody, like blood shoots everywhere. Oh, fucking gore galore. I think it's imp- really important to make this very clear for those who haven't yet seen this movie, who are maybe not uh, not very pleased with the idea of animal violence, and particularly violence against domesticated animals like cats or dogs. Well, the cat in this movie, you would not mistake it for a real cat, outside of that mm-hmm. one shot of a regular real cat. Uh, the the animals in this movie, outside of one example, which we'll talk about literally moments uh, from now, um, are all would never be mistaken for a real animal. And I think right. that the cartoonishness and the puppetness of a lot of uh, the animals featured in this uh, is a really good choice because yeah, uh, it it makes it a lot more fun. And that's what this movie is really focusing on. At its heart, this is a horror comedy, uh, even though it has a lot of heart to it. Um, and I really think that that was the right choice because, you know, I don't, I have three cats. The, the idea of someone like hitting it with one of them with a frying pan usually is not a great thing to me. It probably wouldn't be something I want to see. But uh, in the case of this, I loved seeing this fucking cat go into the garbage disposal <laughs> and get see, turned see, into mulch. You see, you see, we have two cats here and one of them, I feel like. You know, we, we probably wouldn't have an issue seeing somebody hit it with a frying pan. Oh, but... no, Mo. What are you telling us? That's not good. Uh, no, no, no. Nobody what's its name, Mo? The what's, the, what's the cat's name? Oh, uh, Zoya. Zoya. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this woman who has just uh, murdered a cat, she also uh, gets a phone call, Mo. And who's on the other end of this phone? Uh, her child, Here's presumably. Her child, and her child was out, uh, I guess, flying a kite with a friend when they were both attacked by what, Mo? A dog. Was it a dog? Was it a dog? I, I think, think it was a, dog, a right? rabbit first. Oh, right, 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 right. It's a rabbit first. Yeah, a rabid rabbit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and in fact, one of the children have already been murdered by this rabbit. <laughs> His corpse is just laying there. <laughs> The the, uh, the the timeline on, on this one's great, too, because, you know, she gets a call from the kid and the kid's like, Mom, I need you to pick me up. And it's like a second later, she's there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So th- this kid, he jumps up on top of a car that's that's there uh, while the, the bunny is just running around. The mother pulls up in her car and she shoots this rabbit, which just explodes into red mist. It's great. I actually love the computer effects in this, even though some of them are really wonky. Um Yeah. And then inside the car, we hear some barking, and a dog breaks through the window and jumps towards the woman. We see it go inside her car. We hear shots being fired, 
and then <laughs> all this blood just squirts out of the passenger side of the car. Yeah. I the the blood effects in particular, like I you know, I'm a, I love this. You know, like don't don't just get like a little spray can and, and spray a little blood. No, no. Gra- fill an entire fucking bucket and toss that shit because that is so much funnier. Fun fact, Mo, the blood in this movie, its base was milk. Ooh. That actually sounds like a terrible idea, which is what, yeah, what they say, discovered sounds... when they shot in one of their sets and then had to return a week later <laughs> to oh. continue filming. Oh, God. Yeah, that's why they usually don't recommend using milk as a base for something like that. Yeah. That said, no. I, we used corn syrup, and that was even worse of an idea when we had a thousand mosquitoes all over us. <laughs> the movie. Uh, so the, 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 even though we do not see it, this dog murders this mother. <laughs> and then this dog, who seems very adorable except for the blood all over his face, starts running yeah. after this kid. Um, uh, and the kid runs through a cornfield, basically. Right. Um, it's like a yellow lab, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's not even like a. It's not even like a vicious looking dog. Like that dog looks like it's having so much fun. <laughs> Here's another fun fact, Mo. This opening sequence originally ended with a pack of wild emus. <laughs> <laughs> running and if you watch the behind the scenes clip that's on the dvd of of uh rise of the animals you can actually see clips of that and they do look very strange and i can see why maybe they they dumped the idea of these killer emus but i still think it's a pretty funny idea that is a funny idea so uh if i remember correctly we hear someone someone shoot at the dog and then the kid just stares into the camera it doesn't matter because we never see that kid or that dog, or anything related to this again. This was just a way to set up what's going on in Rise of the Animals, Mo, from the year 2011. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a it's actually a great way to start the film. Yeah, it, absolutely. It's a great way to in, to introduce what, you know, like, I, I feel like in a lot of low-budget films, there's a lot of meandering, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of sort of like, What's the term I'm looking for? I guess meandering is the right word, but I mean, like, there's a lot of, like, trying, you know, trying to fill in time to get to the point. Right, right, right. I mean, it's funny because we go into a lot of, particularly exploitation movies and horror movies, where we go in just from looking at the cover or reading a plot synopsis, we know where it's going. Like, if if zombies are rising up or if there's a slasher killer on the loose, we know where it's going to go. So then... The fact that we still need 20 minutes or a half hour of setup to get to that point is kind of fucking bullshit because there's – I mean I, I – I, hey, look, listeners. I recognize we need to set up characters. We need to put a foundation there. We need to make you care about these people. But you also don't necessarily need to um, spin your wheels until you know the first time someone gets stabbed in the face. Right. That's what right. I say. I want to get right to yeah. the stabbing. Exactly. <laughs> well, here we got right to the – uh, murder of animals, thankfully. And now we're going to be introduced to our characters, Mo. We get Rise of the Animals, and then we see a car driving through the suburbs. Who is driving this car, Mo? Uh, this is a man by the name of Wolf. Wolf! Uh, and who is Wolf? What's Wolf all about? Uh, he's a pizza delivery boy. Mm-hmm. Um, he works for a company called Pizza Itza, uh-huh. which is really funny. Um and uh, basically, so basically, he's driving around with a GPS delivering pizza. Uh, the GPS is a great fucking gag. Um, 
like it's like a recurring gag, but I love the fact that they ADR'd it in and it just sounds <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I uh I do have to say that the way that pizza delivery works in this movie, I don't think it reflects how it works in real life where you have like 20 pizzas and you just deliver them one at a time as opposed to deliver then go back and get more and then deliver the next one. Um, well, it, 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 I noticed that like none of the pizzas were in warming bags. I mean, yeah, obviously right, I'm guessing course. he didn't have, you know, he didn't have warming bags, but I mean, it's just pizza boxes sitting on the seat. It's like, Jesus Christ. Um, obviously the whole idea of pizza must've made you very hungry, Mo, cause I can hear you eating on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the end of the credits. It ends with the uh, shot of a dead deer on the road, Mo, and it's an actual dead deer. Hey, you know, I didn't want to see real dead animals is what I'm saying. Well, you know, I like to I look, I'm aware that animals die in real life. It happens all the time. Happens all the time, Mo. But I like to separate the reality from the cartoonish ridiculousness of a movie about animals attacking humans. Yeah, but, you know, like if you find yeah, but... kill, I mean, that, that that's that's built in fucking pro- no, uh, you're right. uh, production value there. And in fact, I will tell you some fun facts about a dead animal in just a few moments. So tell me what Wolf looks like, Mo. This is a character that I want to be able to visualize in my brain. Well, you know, it's it's really funny when you think about it. He looks a lot like Philip J. Fry. You know, like he looks so much like Futurama. It's hilarious. Well, he doesn't have red hair. and uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't have red hair, but I mean, like he's got that sort of like cartoony look. He does have know? a very cartoonish look. I think he looks sort yeah. of like... Like a pudgy John Mulaney is how I have it written here. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, but you know, it, it, this is in some small way, a coming of age movie. Most of the characters are supposed to be in their late teens, early twenties. And, um, and it's played in a, I think in a really interestingly, um, it's played in a kind of a unique way in that adults are completely removed out of the equation almost from the very beginning. There's only a couple of sequences that even feature adults in this movie. Right. So we see Wolf deliver a pizza because he's a pizza delivery boy uh, to a house. And when he uh, when he uh, knocks on the door, a woman wearing a towel, an attractive woman. Uh, this is like the dream, right, Mo? I mean, you've done delivery in your life, right? Yes. And have you ever <laughs> encountered a woman wearing a towel? Uh, no. Mm. Have you ever encountered a man wearing a towel? No, not yet. Mm. Have you ever had any sort of sexy situation occur um not in my delivery field hey no now. but back when back when i used to do pest control there was there were a couple of moments come on in. i was i have roaches yeah. in my apartment please fuck me. yeah <laughs> I, honestly not not too far off but i was uh i was i was very unhappily married back then and and uh i'm not a cheater so while you're laying traps for the vermin infesting my apartment, <laughs> how about we get busy in the rec room? <laughs> and so on. Anyway, this woman is wearing a towel. She says that she needs to get money for the pizza. Uh, and then another guy, a guy arrives in a towel and he, uh, a disappointing Wolf, because he's hoping for some action. He gives Wolf $12 in change in a bag. Well- he gives him a bag of change yes. that's labeled the twelve dollars, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and says that it, it says that this should cover it, but it's actually about like eight fifty or something like that. Um, I also love the fact that that in way too small lettering, he has the word "success" tattooed on his chest. <laughs> yes, 
I like how just from the visual and what he does, you could say this guy is the world's biggest douchebag. <laughs> Yep. Wolf returns to his vehicle, uh, and where he gets a call from one of our other lead characters, and this is Jake. Jake and Wolf are supposed to go together to a movie. They're supposed to get together, and he's asking if Wolf is almost off of work. Uh, Wolf says that he has one more delivery, and then he'll pick him up. Jake is very concerned, Mo, that they're going to miss the movie, uh, particularly because he doesn't trust Wolf's GPS. But uh, but uh, Wolf seems confident that as long as everything works out, deliver the pizza. They'll go see the movie, and he's going to pick him up first. Mo, that is that is what happens. What's Jake all about? Um, I don't know. He's like a sex crazed. I don't know. He's a horny he, comic he, relief character. He, yeah, he's like he. Yeah, he's a horny comic relief. Exactly. So he goes and picks up Jake. They drive around, try to find this last house that they're delivering pizzas to. And they can't. The GPS mode brings them to a dead end. Pretty relatable situation. For 2011, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Jake is particularly upset because he has already bought his ticket to the movie. And this leads Wolf to say this. Why the hell would you buy your ticket early? No one's going to go see the premiere of Babies with Rabies 3D. I would, Mo. I would watch that movie. I would, do. Mostly because of the ticket. I, I don't know if I'd buy a ticket for the premiere, but I'd go. I'd watch it. <laughs> Uh, we also uh, encounter Jake farting Mo very loudly because he again is a hilarious comic relief character. I laughed. <laughs> so they're driving around Mo, and they encounter the first example of an animal attack on these lead characters. A bird flies in through the window, uh, which makes them freak out. I have to say, at some points in this particular sequence, they use a real bird, <laughs> and, and I wonder how how much danger this bird was in because there's a lot of movement. So this bird go, comes into the car, pecks around, causes a lot of uh, frantic motion, and then flies off again. Yep. And that leads Jake to say this. <laughs> well, that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> And it was weird. Mo, in the closing credits, this bird is uh, credited as Steven Seagull. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I thought you would like that. <laughs> <laughs> so they drive around for an hour, missing their movie, trying to find this last location. I, I mean, this is why they ask for phone numbers when, when you order a pizza these days. Uh, right. I would think after an hour, you could just go home if you couldn't find the fucking yeah, but, I'd have already eaten the pizza. Yeah, like, no oh. kidding. <laughs> but eventually they do find a location, Mo. It's a cabin. In fact, it's uh, quote-unquote Amber's family cabin. And Jake is very excited because this is a cabin full of horny teenage girls frolic around, frolicking around in nothing but their panties. And maybe not even that. He does make a really fucking gross comment about how tonight they become men. Yeah, they're going to fuck is what he's implying. Well, he's going to fuck some of these girls. Yeah. You know, it's it's really funny like okay, so I'm I'm doing a a guest spot um actually fairly soon on After Movie Diner and um and we're going to we're covering uh 80s teen sex romps basically. Mm-hmm. 
And like a lot of the movies that we cover, like these comedies, these horror comedies and stuff that it's, there's a lot of the same tropes that like started with those movies. Sure. And like, and like, I see them in like a modern, a more modern movie. And I'm like, ugh, you know, but like, I see them in those movies and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> just, I don't get it. It's just a stupid thing. But yeah, so they're, so, so they get to this party. There's, you know, and, and Jake is predicting that it's going to be filled with half naked girls and, and yada, yada. And, um, and he, Wolf he seems hesitant, I think. I yeah, mean, he he, well, wants- he he thinks he's wrong. He thinks that's not going to be the case. And it's <laughs> hilarious because two seconds later, Wolf, they get there and Wolf goes to deliver the pizza. The door opens up and sure enough, it's filled with half naked women drinking and playing, <laughs> playing games and stuff. So, yeah. So Wolf knocks on the door. A very drunk girl opens the door and she immediately vomits and collapses on the ground in front of them. Um, he opens the door and another, and he, just like you said, he looks in, there's all these teenage girls partying. Now I should say, when I say teenage girls, I mean, these are obviously women in their late teens, early twenties of age women, I would say. I I would presume. Yeah. I mean, I just want to make that clear because there is a lot of, uh, particularly in the next little bit, a lot of kind of sexual content. Right. And these are people, right. And we don't want to be creepers, Mo, not any more than we normally are. on the <laughs> <laughs> One of the uh, the women, uh, they reach into their bra, grabs some money for um, for Wolf, says that he can keep the change, and then she recognizes him from school, and he, of course, acts incredibly weird, particularly when she invites him in for a beer, uh, and he says that, no, he has to get going, and then when he leaves, he says, I'll catch you on the flip side, which is a predictably lame thing for a person to say. Yeah, I mean, it, that's me. That would that would have been me in that in that exact situation. They would be, yeah, come in for a beer. I'd be like, uh, I don't know, I gotta, you know. and I'd probably end up saying stupid. Li- I'd probably even say even something even dumber, like catch you on the flippy flip. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Oh, what oh. the fuck? <laughs> so Wolf goes back to the vehicle, and Jake has taken his keys and has basically made an ultimatum that he is not going to let him leave unless they both go inside that cabin and try to get laid. They even have a slap fight, Mo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. So then we cut to Jake and Wolf knocking on the door. They tell uh, the they tell the person who answers that their car can't start. And they even check to see if one of the women there has jumper cables. But she says they uh, she left them at home. And they go, oh, man, darn. So then they come in and they walk in slow motion like total douchebags. And the women look very skeptically at them. But they are legitimately the only guys at this party. Right. Jake runs into his sister, Mo, the other lead character in this movie. This is Rachel. What's Rachel all about? Uh, well, now or uh, in the Right film? now. What, what, what is she about right now? <laughs> yeah, right, right now, she is uh, desperately looking for something to eat in the fridge. And all she can find is some fairly rotten chicken. Uh-huh. Uh, we know it's rotten because Wolf uh, decides he's going to take a bite of it and uh, promptly immediately spits it out. So Rachel is not supposed to be at this party, by the way. And Jake right. says that she's going to get in trouble. Uh, but that is not going to matter pretty soon because of the rise of the animals. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf, yes, Wolf indeed does take a bite of that chicken. And then uh, after he spits it out, says to Rachel, hey, I brought pizza, which has her running off to eat pizza instead. Right. We then see Wolf try to open a bottle of beer mode. This is one of the funniest things in the entire movie. <laughs> where he cannot find a bottle opener. 
So he does what you would do, which is try to open it on the edge of a counter. And then, like, so incredibly incompetently, he just smashes the entire half, a top half of the bottle. <laughs> yeah, see, that wouldn't have been me because I'm really good at opening beer bottles on uh, Yeah, with your counters. teeth, right? Yeah. Just, <laughs> oh, please. Not a chance. And then in walks in Wolf's dream girl, Samantha. She uh, she had gone away to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make this qualify as Canadian content? I would hope so. Well, hey, look, <laughs> this movie was made in Rochester, New York, basically right on the border. This is basically a Canadian movie, I would say. Basically. But it's not. So Samantha is someone he's always had a crush on. She's uh, tall, blonde, uh, attractive. And uh, <laughs> she says that she's just back for the weekend for her cousin's birthday. She offers him a drink, uh, and in fact, like, literally force-feeds him the drink. He coughs like a nerd, because that's what he is. And then he <laughs> lays down this great line. It looks like Canada's been good for you. Physically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Wolf... Yeah, it's, it's all the moose she's wrestling now. <laughs> Wolf looks very scared during this entire sequence as she hits on him hard. Um, and then she force feeds him another drink and then asks if he wants to explore the place and takes him by the hand, Mo. And explore the place is what we used to say before Netflix and chill <laughs> as code for, hey, want to go to someplace and fuck. <laughs> really? Or it could also mean, do you want to literally just explore the place? Yeah, I was going to say. Why, I've, why, I've, this is why I've life never, is so confusing. <laughs> I was going to say, I've never, uh, I've never had that experience where somebody would take me by the hand and say, hey, do you want to go explore? All right. I don't know what the hell that means. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, I'll go uh, test the banisters. I don't know. Whatever. Well, remember that the hitchhiker uh, army guy in uh, the zombie army in our most recent episode? Right, where He was right. picked up, right? And she took him by the hand to explore a place. And all she really wanted to do was fuck on some mental patient's bed. Yeah. <laughs> but look how so, that turned out for them. So Rachel, Jake's sister, she comes back in with a pizza, piece of pizza in her mouth looking for Wolf. But Wolf is not there anymore wolf is now in his car attempting to take samantha's bra off and failing (laughs) in a again a very believable way he has to turn on the light to eventually figure it out (laughs) then he starts doing something i was not expecting mo which is rub her vagina (laughs) (laughs) it's it's more explicit than i would have thought um because he does start uh quote unquote fingering her and then she says that she wants him to fuck her, and his reaction to this is pretty great. Actually, I want I want I want everyone to hear this. I want you. What? <laughs> what? I want you to fuck me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> let me just. Uh, let me just. Let me get some. <laughs> As someone who lives with a lot of anxiety, Mo, his reaction to, you know, basically his whole situation here is to lead up to her saying that. And as soon as she says it, he just freaks the fuck out, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that, I mean, it's so fucking relatable too. like, I've been in not that exact situation, but I mean, so fucking close where you're like fooling around with somebody and they go, oh, I want you to fuck me. And, be like, and you're like. Wait, hold on. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. I mean, lis- listeners, as you can probably tell right now, neither Mo or, or myself are Chads. 
we are very much beta cucks. <laughs> we we cannot just take a charge in these type of situations. Uh, we are like Wolf here, who, uh, to his credit, immediately starts looking for a condom. And thankfully, Samantha already has them ready to go. And uh, he starts trying to put one on and does not have a lot of luck. Uh, apparently, he did not go to health class in the day with the banana or the cucumber or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what's a what's a condom. What are oh boy, Mo, come on, <laughs> Baboom. Um, so she decides that she's going to help him out because obviously she has a little bit more experience. She starts putting on the condom, uh, or uh, it, there's an implication that she's either jerking him off or blowing him, and um, he basically comes in like two seconds, <laughs> and he he <clears throat> apologizes. He becomes very apologetic. She, she says, don't worry about it. I'm tired. I mean, honestly, Samantha is super cool here about everything that's happening. Um, and then he goes like, "I want just give me five minutes. Just the, you know, the kind of panic that actually happens in real life. And she says, don't worry about it. There's always tomorrow. But Mo is there? Mm-mm. Because I worry that overnight we're going to experience the rise of the animals. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the setup is pretty much over at this point, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the animals are about to rise. The next day, Wolf wakes up in the car. Samantha is missing. Uh, he gets dressed, gets out of the car, goes inside. Melissa, one of the women at the party, she's looking out the window, and he comes over and, and gets a slice of pizza. And what is she staring at, Mo? She is staring at a small deer. Uh-uh. <laughs> Um, she says that it's been staring at her for the last 10 minutes and then we get a shot of said deer and it is very CG. (laughs) And then Wolf says something fucking hilarious. He just goes, well, do you want to pet it? (laughs) And she does. She, she, well, she, uh, well, she goes out to pet it. Yeah. Well, they both go outside because, you know, at this point, why wouldn't you want to pet a deer? She... Goes near it. She seems very pleased. She approaches it. This fucking ludicrous looking deer. She approaches it. She puts her hand out. And then what happens, Mo? (laughs) Uh, We get a... Well, I don't think we actually see it bite her hand, but we hear it bite her hand. Um, And there's something about the physics of how things work in this movie that really fucking make me laugh. (laughs) Um, You know, like she, she couldn't... She doesn't just have a bite mark on her hand. No, 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 no. The deer bites her entire fucking hand off. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unexpectedly. Bites her hand off. Yeah. And then Wolf, as retaliation, he kicks the deer, who immediately slams against a tree and explodes. <laughs> it's outstanding. I put it on our Facebook group. I put it on my Twitter Uh Basically, everyone who saw it said, I need to see this movie immediately. <laughs> uh, they run inside, and uh, the rest of the women who are at this party, who are now awake, are very upset about the fact that their friend has a severed uh, uh, hand or a, uh, a stump showing to the rest of them. They all start screaming. Wolf takes Melissa into the kitchen. They try to patch her up. Uh, Rachel, who is the only one who seems sensible of the entire group, she applies a towel um, Wolf thinks that the uh, deer must have been rabid. They uh, try to call 911, but it's not available, Mo. Then they look outside, and there is a whole bunch of animals <laughs> who are very angry looking. <laughs> they all go into 
a back room. Rachel grabs a block of knives and they all iron themselves. Uh, they run into Jake, who's actually in bed with one of the other women. I actually expected that knife thing to pan out as like yeah. a, a joke and it really didn't. You know, because you know how, like, in every knife set, there's always that one little fucking tiny knife? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I was waiting for them to pass it around and, like, for it to get to, like, Jake and have him pull out the, the last one and have it be, like, the little fucking paring knife or something. But, you know, I, it's 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 a joke that was missed. But, you know, I did appreciate the fact that uh, Rachel was able to get the giant fucking butcher's knife. So this is the situation we're in. They're in a room. There's maybe, what, five or six of them. Yeah. Um, a lot of women. We have Jake. We have Wolf. They all have knives. And I thought this movie was going to be very kind of Night of the Living Dead-ish, where they're all trying to, you know, battle these animals that are attacking this one house. Because, you know, if you're trying to save money, that's exactly the sort of situation that you probably would try to do. Yeah. But that is not what happens. Not, <laughs> not at all. What happens is that deers and other animals all, well, pretty much deers, they all start bursting in from different walls in this room. And they grab the women one by one, and as they pull them out of the room, <laughs> big buckets full of blood just get thrown <laughs> at the characters. <laughs> Jake gets fucking covered first. And uh, this is another little bit of interesting behind-the-scenes news, Mo. The puppets that are used here. Now, they are all for this particular sequence, they are all kind of puppet heads. The deer heads are all covered in real deer skin. Because during production, they found a dead deer and they dragged it into, they put it in the back of a van and dragged it to one of their garages and then they skinned it and used the skin to make the puppets. Good Lord. Isn't that something? Seems completely unnecessary when you watch the movie proper. But like these these things have antlers and shit too. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. But I, I mean, like you could tell whoever built this cabin, you know, uh, was going for some cost saving means because they built all of the walls out of balsa wood. <laughs> it's almost like they may have put an extra wall in there. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean that, that happened several times where a deer, deer breaks through and pulls somebody through and another literal bucket of blood flies back through the hole. It's, oh, it's I basically funny. everyone gets killed except for Jake, Wolf and Rachel. And they are all covered in blood from this, horrific attack by these animals some of the like one of the deer gets stabbed in the eye they, they get their shots in uh and i think uh rachel actually tears one of the the deer's heads off at one point <laughs> um but the the main thing is that we're now down to three characters rachel says let's go again the only sensible one out of all three of them and they all run outside and get into wolf's car and wolf very sensibly asks for this give me my keys gotta be fucking so that sound at the end was a deer hoof a big old the buck. ground a big old buck uh so what's happened is that jake has left the keys inside the cat because he's an idiot because he's an idiot but he's the comic relief so he's a lovable idiot mo mm-hmm. so there is a deer outside the car they're all soaked in blood they don't know what they can do um rachel volunteers to go inside to get the keys. And then a cell phone goes off, which actually spooks the deer, which rushes the car. And while that happens, Rachel runs inside. But let's talk about the cell phone for a second. Mo, what's this cell phone all about? Um, 
So it's important to note that Wolf is still very concerned about Samantha, who he has had a sexual experience with and also wants to bang again. <laughs> and she has run off. He doesn't know. She, he's worried about her. Right. So uh, and I, there's a little bit of confusion in my own mind here, but this is her cell phone or his cell phone that goes off. Here? It seems to me that it's her cell phone because they keep talking about returning it to her. Right. But it's also yeah. the same cell phone that he uses to check his voicemails. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit confusing. <laughs> the yeah. main thing is that the the later on in the plot, it's all about trying to get this cell phone back to Samantha, but also for him to go see Samantha because he uh, wants to get his bone on. <laughs> Rachel, she runs inside. <laughs> the deer chases her and bursts through the wall of the cabin. So she takes a lamp, bursts the bulb over this fucking deer's head and it bursts into flames and yeah, it well, burns she, Yeah, yes. she she electrocutes it. She electrocutes it with a lamp. It it bursts into flames and also vomits a ton of blood on her and they basically set the entire cabin on fire in the process. It's pretty terrific. Yeah. She runs back out, jumps into the car, gives Wolf the keys and says And that's how it's done, boys. Get my pants. <laughs> no. Jake is also missing his pants. So they leave. Oh. Now this movie becomes a road movie. They have to get to Samantha. They need to, to get uh, find out what the heck is going on with these animals rising up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Mo, why are the animals rising up? Um, we don't know. We don't know, and we never find out, and I am perfectly okay. Yeah, they, I mean, they yeah. do pop the radio on while they're driving, and it talks about mass hysteria, about the animals, right. yada, yada, but it, there's there's never any actual explanation as to, uh, as to why any of this is happening. Then we get Wolf checking his voicemail, as you mentioned, and there is a message from Samantha. She says that she got picked up by a friend, uh, but the phone dies before he can hear the whole message. Um... Rachel says that she actually has the same sort of phone, but her charger is back at her house. So Jake says it's only 20 minutes away. And in a very obvious reference to Pulp Fiction, he says that it's 20 minutes away. Wolf says that they can get there in 10. Remember, he's Mr. Wolf, right? Like in uh, Pulp Fiction. And he's, he gets there in 10 minutes instead of 20. Wow. I didn't know people still made references to Pulp Fiction in movies in 2011. But I, apparently they did. Apparently they did. So they go back to their neighborhood and there is a roadblock set up there. Uh, and Wolf approaches the car, two cops. They point a gun at him for some reason. I don't know why they would be concerned about humans in this case. Uh, but they say that they're, they are cleaning the area up. While they're doing this, a cop sees a squirrel running across, across a power line and starts shooting at it just like a dozen different times. Uh, he, he empties his entire clip. Yes. <laughs> and misses it every single time. Um. We get a nice CG shot of this squirrel running towards this police officer. And just as it's about to reach him, we see the squirrel get run over by Wolf, who is just <laughs> barreled through the police line that's there. Um, and then as they're driving through the, the this kind of suburb, uh, they pass, like, cops, groups of cops, which have, like, tons of these dead animals on, like, sticks. Uh, apparently, what they're doing is actually just killing as many animals as possible in these neighborhoods. I mean, as you do. As you would when there's an animal rise occurring. They stop. 
I guess they live very close to one another. Rachel and Jake, they run to their house to get what they need, including the, uh, the cord for the phone. And Wolf runs to his house to get what he needs, basically prep for whatever they need to do next. Wolf goes to his house. Mo, what does he find when he goes inside? He finds his grandfather. His grandfather seems a little uh, drunk, uh, seems a little uh, mean, mean grandpa, I would say. Dirty grandpa, even. <laughs> grandpa right. asks him where he's All been. Right, Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. So, so he, so the grandfather seems worried. Uh, like not like I don't know. He, he still he seems like a huge piece of shit. But he's yeah worried about Wolf. He says he got bit by a dog. And then he has this fucking great line. So, yeah. So let's hear the line first. Yeah. I got a safe house in Mexico. Pack your bags. Leaving in ten minutes. So they have a safe house in Mexico, for, even though they're in Rochester, New York. Yeah. Um, the I should mention that though the animals are attacking people, there's no suggestion that their uh, attacks by animals are any more um, potent than they were before. It's not like you're going to die from a scratch or something like that. You're not going to turn into an animal if you get bitten by one. It just happens to be that his grandpa was injured by a squirrel. And uh, tried to call the doctor, but of course there was no answer. He says it's because it's goddamn Sunday, but we know, Mo, it's probably because they're overwhelmed by attacks. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, that's what happens when there's a rise of the animals. 100%. 100%. Wolf, Wolf uh, uh, says to his grandpa that he's going to grab a suitcase, um, and but instead he just runs past him, runs out the front door. His grandfather then. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. He, do- he doesn't run past him. He hops the fucking banister. <laughs> yes. I mean, like a fucking badass. <laughs> and then runs out the front door. His grandfather chases him with a shotgun. And as Wolf gets into the car, he shoots at the fucking car. But it <laughs> misses and kills a cop instead. Which then leads the rest of the cops to shoot the grandfather, murdering him. Good. Uh, death by cop for old grandpa here. Uh, <laughs> Wolf does not seem upset. I don't know. We never find out why Wolf doesn't have parents or anything like that. It just that this is the extent of his family relations, and now he has no other ties to this location. It's for the better. Grandpa was a piece of shit. Seems like a piece of shit. So. Jake and Rachel, they run into the car. They all take off. They're all very confused about what's going on. Wolf ends up plugging the phone in, listens to the rest of the phone message. So she finds out that Samantha is staying at a friend's farmhouse until this whole thing blows over. She's left her phone, as we mentioned, and she wants Wolf to give it back to her and then gives the address. I think the idea is that she wants him to mail it back to her. Though I have to say that the idea that the postal service would be working properly in this sort of situation doesn't seem very realistic to me. Well, through rain or sleet or animal attack, you know. Rise of the animals. They should add that, I think, to the They should. They should. You know, the the funny thing is is that, you know, and typically in movies like this, you know, that's that's such like a trope. Like, I'm going to go out to like this farmhouse in the middle of nowhere and just go and be safe. But that's like, seems like the sort of thing you do in a zombie attack. You know, like, like when you're being attacked by animals, I feel like the last place you'd want to go is a farm. Yes. Because one of the defining features of a farm tends to be the large number of animals that are around. Right. 
<laughs> pecked to death by a bunch of chickens. It could happen. Uh, so one of the things that we haven't really talked about is that there is an implication that Rachel has feelings for Wolf. Uh, it, it's it's really only hinted at earlier when she comes in with the piece of pizza in her mouth looking for Wolf. And here she starts to get very frustrated as Wolf devises a plan to deliver this phone. And she, in her frustrated state, gets out of this car and just starts walking away, basically abandoning them. Um, and then they have to talk her down and, and, and convince her to go with them. And they do that by saying this. What else are you gonna do? Sit at home? Yeah, and not get killed by fucking chipmunks. Cable's probably out. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, probably the internet too. For sure. So she decides because of that to actually accompany them on this trip. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, no cable, no internet. Really, the internet was the was the clincher, and I cannot blame her. <laughs> I mean, uh, 2000, 2011 internet, ugh. but I like how, like I mentioned at the beginning that adults don't really play into this movie, but they care so little about their own parents in this case. I'm talking right. specifically about Jake and Rachel that we never mention them ever again. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, there's no question about it. It's just cares about the parents. <laughs> they can take care of themselves. Uh, they have a great moment to, um, it's like, brilliantly awkward but amazing mm-hmm. at the same time where Rachel comes in and Wolf kind of like reach, reaches his hand back and goes high five <laughs> <laughs> and she like looks at his hand for a second and just s- smacks it real quick and he goes, thanks <laughs> <laughs> so they drive off there's an implication that they've been driving for quite a while and now Rachel needs to pee Wolf says that they will stop soon but Rachel really needs to pee and if you've ever been in a relationship with a woman uh, you will know that the way that their system, their internals, you can't see me right now, but I'm forming in my hands the internal system of a uh, woman. <laughs> when they need to pee, they got to fucking pee. They can't just hold it. Not like me. Like, Mo, when I say I need to pee, it, I basically have a 20 minute window. But when my wife says I need to pee, I better find a fucking bathroom or she's going to take a knife and stab it through my skull. <laughs> see, my, my history has been that. Uh, most women who who I've known will constantly say they have to pee, but will then proceed to hold it for the next 17 hours <laughs> until it's literally leaking out of them. Well, <laughs> well obviously we've had different experiences. In this case, she, uh, she, she, she says that she's so desperate that like just pass back a cup or something. And Jake gives her a paper bag to pee in, which I thought was so fucking hilarious. (laughs) Uh, Eventually she gets so, um, she needs to piss so badly that she takes the phone and threatens to throw it out the window unless they stop. So they stop the car. She goes much further than you would expect to take a piss. I guess she doesn't want anyone watching. I can't blame her. But, you know, when, when animals are killing people, probably not a good idea to walk off into the woods. Probably not. And, and, by the way, to this movie's credit, look, there's a lot of, uh, of of content that takes place in the international waters of filmmaking, the <laughs> woods. But there's also a lot that takes place on like actual roads and streets and neighborhoods. So uh, effort was put into this. And oh, by the way, another tidbit. They had the cops called on them uh, 14 different times while making this movie. Wow. 
Well, at the very least, they had 14 uh, different cop cars approach them. And that's why the cops are thanked in the closing credits, because despite that, they never got arrested because they were all white people. <laughs> I had uh, I had the cops called on on me once when we were filming. Um, this sounds like an amusing anecdote. Well, I, it's just a you know quick little aside. We yes, were please. we we were filming a uh, I don't it wasn't like a film as such. It was more like a trailer for a film um, about a you know like one of those cop on the edge type movies. Uh-huh. And um, my friend had a uh, it, it was actually a Pez dispenser <laughs> from like the sixties or something like that or seventies, and it was it shaped like a gun. I mean, and like you know, nowadays you have to have like orange tips on everything right, and right. Like stuff to distinguish it that from not being a gun. This one didn't have any of that stuff, so it really just looked like we were running around with a fucking gun. And um, and the cops come up and and they're like, they're, they're like real fucking like worried, you know, because obviously somebody mm-hmm. calls him and tells him there's a kid running down the street with a fucking gun. Um, and he goes, "Relax." Was that? I said, relax. Yeah, I said, relax. It's nothing. It's no, it's you know. right to bear arms. He's allowed to do it. So, it's so in the Constitution. Yeah. So he asks about it, and we and we said, we said, look, officer, sorry, we'll we'll stop filming outside, but you know, it, it's a Pez dispenser. Like it literally, like you couldn't put a bullet in this thing, even if you wanted to. Like the only thing it can shoot is Pez. And he got a huge kick out of that, and because we're white, he let us go. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, but it's just it's put funny. down the pest, son. I I uh, got I got super fucking worried though because obviously I you bet. Know, cop shows up and you're sitting you're standing there holding something that looks very much like a gun. Yeah. Anyway, I can't believe they have pez dispensers that look like guns. That seems like just not the most reasonable thing. But right. Then, exactly. It's literally teaching kids to put a gun in their mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, Kurt Cobain. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. So, uh, (laughs) Rachel goes off to take a piss. And as uh, as she's doing that, she hears a scream and some animal noises. And then a horse approaches her. A real horse at first, Mo. What is notable about this horse? Um, I don't know. Well, for one, it's a murderous horse that wants to kill her. Right. Yeah, I mean it's 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 I mean the fact that it's a real horse is something. They when making this movie had difficulty regarding this horse because uh you can't just have a wild horse running by itself. They needed someone on it. So but if they had someone on it, it wouldn't make any sense in this case. So they got around that. So this horse has a severed person on top of it. The the bottom half of a person it, with blood squirting out of it is on top of this horse. Oh, I didn't even fucking notice that. It's kind of a notable part of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I probably looked down. <laughs> How dare you? For the entire so, scene. <clears throat> so uh, she runs away as this horse chases after her. Uh, while this is happening, somehow Wolf has gotten the car stuck in some mud and Jake is trying to push it. We see Rachel. She ducks under a branch. The horse hits it. So she punches the horse and then kicks it unconscious. Yeah, that was fucking badass. <laughs> Rachel's the best. 
Uh, she makes it back to the guys. They're still stuck. Jake eventually pushes the vehicle free and gets a face full of mud, which Rachel finds very amusing. There's a uh, there's a really funny line before this too, where Wolf's sort of like leaning on the side of the car, playing a game, and like they're talking about what, like wondering why it's taking so long. And I forget if it's Jake or Wolf. One of them says, "Ah, she's probably going poop." Yeah, she's probably <laughs> going poop. <laughs> so they drive off again, Mo. And uh, we get to see a little bit of Jake and Rachel's relationship where she taunts him for all the mud on his face from having uh, gotten uh, gotten it from pushing the car. It goes like this. Hey, Jake. 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 Hey, so, <laughs> so this next sequence is probably my personal favorite in the entire movie. The radio plays a song called Rising Animals. <laughs> and as it's playing, we hear a thump on the roof of the vehicle. So let's play <laughs> a little bit of the song. Let's hear the thump so you'll get a sense of what it's like. And then I'll explain what's happening. Animals are rising. They are coming for you. There we go. All right. So A, that song is ridiculous. Yeah, B, and she's calling him Pooh Face. She's calling him Pooh Face. And then we hear some growling and a big thump on the roof. Mo, what is on the roof of this vehicle? You know, the normal sort of thing that you'd get <laughs> while driving around a northern New York State, you know, area. A Oh, yeah, right. It's a giant fucking gorilla. It's a giant gorilla on the roof. With a fucking, it, like, red mohawk. It, with a red mohawk for some reason. Um, it uh, reaches through the window and grabs Jake's uh, face. And Wolf rolls up the window and ends up chopping off the gorilla's hand or paw. Yeah. Uh, which lands on Jake's dick, because that's funny. <laughs> they search for bananas. <laughs> well, one of them suggests giving it a banana <laughs> That's and, right. Which of and course, of, seems and of like course a Wolf's joke. like, yeah, there's there's some back there. Oh yeah. They, by the way, so the gorilla is of course made of outside of its uh, hand reaching in is completely CG, and though it does not look good or real, it is perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's so great. Um, so <laughs> she eventually does find some bananas, Mo, but they're of course horribly rotten black bananas. Yeah. Um. And uh, it's already too late anyway, because basically the gorilla has fallen off the top of the car. Right. And we see that it's upset about the fact that it's now missing a hand. That has no blood coming out of it. No, hey, you know what? It cauterized the wound. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be careful with those windows. They get real hot. They drive off once again. The radio says that the reason for these animals rising is because God is testing them because floozies brought sin into America and brought about the apocalypse. I mean, where's the lie? Hey, there you go. There are, <laughs> there are a lot of floozies out there, Mo. I feel like this is what this podcast should be about now at this point. 
Why do they have so much politics in movies these days? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know? Horror movies didn't used to have politics. They all used to be just about stuff happening and not having to think about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the classics like Night of the Living Dead and, you know, (laughs) no no politics in that at all. Uh, We're having a little fun here on the No Budget Podcast. (laughs) So uh, they are driving along. Wolf falls asleep uh, or almost falls asleep and ends up hitting a rock. And uh, but right as they hit it, of course, the GPS says that they've reached their destination. They were aiming for a bridge. But, Mo, when they arrive, the bridge is completely underwater. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fallen into pretty serious, pretty serious disarray. Mm -hmm. We uh, they decide, I guess, to camp out for a little bit. We see that night Wolf is laying on the roof of the vehicle with the phone. Uh, wishing Samantha would call him back. He's been trying to contact her. Rachel lays next to him, and they stare at the constellations in the sky, Mo. I mean, as you do. We see the sky. She says that one of the constellations looks like a piece of pizza, and we see the sky, and it absolutely does. <laughs> <laughs> he looks through pictures on the phone, uh, on Samantha's phone, and there's a lot of a guy <laughs> in them. Yeah. Rachel takes the phone away from him, Uh and and it's funny, she looks through the pictures and says that Samantha looks sexy, which is weird. Not weird for her to feel that way, but it's weird because weren't they at the party together? <laughs> like, didn't they meet each other at some yeah, point was, during th- that party? That's right, because, like, she's wondering what this girl looks like yeah. because she doesn't know what she looks like, but she was at the party with her. Man, I don't, well, I guess Rachel was pretty fucked up at that point. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wolf thinks that the guy that is in the pictures with her is her brother, uh, but then Rachel looks at her texts, and uh, we find out that she was actually texting her boyfriend. And yeah, yeah, there's one about her, you know, being wet. Being wet, Mo. You know what that means? I do. That means that she wants to fuck Wolf, I guess, in that particular uh, Rachel's about to tell Wolf what she's discovered, but he has fallen asleep. And there's actually a really terrific edit here, where they're both like asleep on the roof, and then there's it's suddenly morning with the a horn blaring because Jake is telling them to get up because he's made breakfast. What has he made, Mo? I believe it's a rat on a stick. It's a squirrel, I believe. Or maybe oh. a rat. Uh, you know what? I think you're right. I think it's a rat. Uh, and he offers them a bite. We're supposed to think that they're going to find it disgusting. But Rachel pops down and takes a giant bite out of it. Just takes the whole head off. It's fucking yeah. great. It's great. Rachel is great. Rachel's my favorite character. She's easily the best character in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Wolf thinks that they can get around the bridge being out. Um, And then Samantha does call him, but her voice is breaking up. Um, Rachel and Jake make a bet between themselves that she's dead, which is an odd bet to make because she's actually on the phone with Wolf as they're saying that. Right. Uh, But I guess they're they're betting that once they arrive that she'll already be dead. Uh, Seems like a mean-spirited bet. Oh. But Wolf says that they have to start walking. So they are now going to walk, Mo. And this starts with them going through the woods and they get a there is a shot that is ripped entirely out of the Lord of the Rings, the very end of the very first movie, where they're walking and they're like like posing for a second before moving on. And I when I saw this for the first time, I wrote my notes, this is a Lord of the Rings shot and it was confirmed in the commentary that yeah, they were just ripping <laughs> off Lord of the Rings here. It's pretty good. They eventually find a puddle uh, Rachel and Jake thirstily drink from this puddle. I guess the suggestion is that they've been walking for quite a while. 
Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I guess they, they don't have a lot of food or water or any supplies in what they're doing. Wolf says if they can find a boat, they can be across the lake in an afternoon. And Jake wonders where the fuck they're going to find a boat. And then they look just slightly to the left, and there are two corpses and a boat just there. It's a great Hollywood reveal, you know. Yes, absolutely. Something that they <laughs> absolutely had to have seen, but until the camera reveals it, they don't see shit, right? Yeah, yeah. So Rachel goes over and pokes the corpse with a stick just to make sure that they're dead. Uh, the corpses are just on like the, the, the bank of this river, and then uh, Jake, uh, sorry, Rachel and Wolf, they pull the corpses into the water. Now remember, this was like November when they were filming this in upstate New York. It must have been so fucking cold in that water. Yeah. I feel, feel bad for those guys who had to be in the water. Um, Jake feels a little uh, unsure about what they're doing. Should we bury them or something? You want to dig the hole? An excellent point. Do you want to dig the hole? Probably not. Instead, just put their corpses in the water. But what killed them? What do you think killed them? Well, I guess we're going to get a hint in just a moment as the group paddles through the water. I did not expect this movie to have a sequence on a boat, by the way. Yeah, me neither. Um, I also like the fact that as they're sort of walking away or as they're Mm -hmm. going away on the boat, uh, we see something off screen, of course, start dragging one of the bodies away. Yes. You know, we're going to find out what that thing was or those things were momentarily. (laughs) Uh, The group paddles out and Wolf ends up uh, getting through to Samantha on the phone. Um, And then uh, Jake actually gets his 10 bucks for the fact that she's alive. Samantha admits on the phone, Mo, that she has a boyfriend named Brian. And as she's explaining herself, Wolf drops the phone because they are attacked, Mo. What are they attacked by? Um, all manner of uh, river-dwelling woodland creatures. Uh, we get some beavers and turtles. Well, the turtles are the main thing. It's a group yeah. of killer turtles. Apparently, these uh, puppets were made by real turtle shells and then a puppet underneath. But they basically get attacked by, you know, yeah, river creatures, including turtles. Uh, They hit them with their paddles. uh, And in the process, Rachel, I think, accidentally stabs the bottom of the boat. And they hit some rocks. And Jake falls out of the back of the boat. Rachel Mm. tries to help him back in. But (laughs) then what happens? <laughs> as as we've established, uh whatever whatever made these animals attack also turned everybody into fucking cheesecloth. Uh-huh. So uh as she's trying to pull him back onto the boat, uh he's torn away from her and all she gets to pull in is his arm. But why? What what attacks him? What does attack him? A giant crocodile. Oh, crocodile. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. A massive giant crocodile kills Jake, one of our lead characters. I'm sorry. It's been a couple of days since I've seen this movie. I don't remember. It's been longer for me, Mo. (laughs) Uh, uh, Rachel's very upset because her brother is now dead and has been eaten by a crocodile, which is very unlikely, you would think. But uh, she's quite upset by it. We see a truck driving down the road. It's Samantha. She's in this truck with her boyfriend, Brian. He's wearing uh, what they refer to as a wife beater, Mo. He, it's funny because Brian is not really presented as being a dickhead or a douchebag at all. He doesn't no. really do anything shitty, but we hate him on general principle. Right. Because <laughs> he does say, everything okay, babe? Which is just something a shithead would say. Um, they eventually reach Brian's grandfather's farmhouse, and he says that he will 
protector. Stand-up guy, this Brian, I would say. Um, not like Samantha, who gets done dirty, as we'll talk about momentarily. <laughs> Wolf and Rachel, who are our two heroes that are left, we see them walk along basically a riverbank. And I love this part. Because yeah, in too. the background, there are like boats in the water. <laughs> we see like there's chaos occurring, right? I mean, the world has gone to pot. And we see these boats in the background, a giant octopus tentacle reach up and grab one of the boats and pull it under. Uh, it's basically just grabbing boats in the uh, in the background. It's pretty great. And we see like a plane drop out of the sky and what appears to be, I guess, like a nuke going off in the background. Well, is I don't think it's a plane dropping out of the sky. I think it's the fighter. Yeah, the plane jet, drops. The, yeah, 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 dropping, dropping the, the bomb. Yeah. And Rachel thinks that it's probably the end of the world that's occurring. And it does seem to be, <laughs> actually. That, that That's a pretty uh, accurate description of what's going on. We also get a 360-degree shot. I, I used to call it the Evil Dead shot, where it starts on someone's face, and it does a 360-degree movement and goes and ends right back on the same face that it starts. Right. Because it's, uh, of course, used in the Evil Dead movies. Um, and they make the decision that they're going to try to avoid the livestock as they go towards this farmhouse, which must be very difficult because they are literally surrounded by farmland. Well, yeah, and, and like, isn't this is the shot too where, um, where like they see all the farms and they're like burning? Yeah, right. They're on yeah. fire. It's, it's. A, <laughs> I don't know if going to the farmland was actually the best decision in retrospect. It was a fucking bad idea. Yeah. So they are now walking near a cornfield, just having a chat. When suddenly, and this is actually was a, quite a surprise when I watched this movie for the first time. Rachel gets shot in the arm and immediately goes down. Wolf rips a part of his shirt off and uh, ties off her arm wound. It turns out that the person who shot Rachel was Brian. That's Samantha's boyfriend. Uh, he didn't know it was her. I don't know how he would have mistaken Rachel for an animal, but I can imagine being a little antsy in a case where the animals are rising up and murdering people. Sure. So Brian, of course, is horrified by what he's done. He tries to apologize, but Wolf immediately takes his rifle away from him and punches him in the face. Samantha, as you do, then, I mean, come on. As you do, right? Samantha, well, he's upset, right? I mean, Rachel's a good friend of his. Samantha is there as well. She asks what the hell Wolf is doing there, and I can see why she would be surprised. By his appearance there and brian is particularly upset because he's like you guys know each other and that leads to this line hold on hold on, hold on. you two know each other he's just an old friend we fucked two nights ago what well, almost <laughs> <laughs> wolf then calls samantha a slut and i am going to argue with this movie now look samantha cheated on her boyfriend shitty thing to do brian has a perfect right to be upset about that but wolf does not have a right to be upset right exactly he's the other man he's the other man also she like gave him so much slack as she tried to fuck him (laughs) right she was so good about it and so kind and understanding i mean he should be just because he's developed some infatuation because this woman showed him affection, that's really on him, I would suggest. Mo. Oh, you'd be right. Well, he does call her a slut, which, again, is very mean. Uh, Brian actually says that he, he and Samantha are engaged. And then Rachel comes over, again, very upset because she's uh, recently been shot. And she comes over and punches Samantha in the face and says this. Who are you, Wolf's friend? Hey, back off, motherfucker. I'm having a bad day. Rachel is having a 
bad day. Though she really had no reason to punch Samantha. Not really. Honestly. I mean, it turns out that Samantha is irritating, as we find out after this. But, you know, before this, there's really no reason to think of her as a as anything but someone who cheated on her boyfriend. Right. But all of this interplay doesn't matter, Mo. A, because there's only five minutes left in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and B, because they hear a roar in the corn. Never a good thing. Brian and Samantha, they already know what the sound is, and they run off. In fact, I'm starting to wonder why they were out in the cornfield at all. You think they would have hidden inside the farmhouse? <laughs> what think? is it, Mo? What is this sound? Oh, uh, this is uh, this is what what we like to call in the community a bear. A bear. In the is the bear community you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, the bear community. Right, not a cub. It's a bear. It's not an goofy. not an otter. Not a twink. <laughs> it's, it's a bear. This, it's a CG bear. It looks ridiculous and awesome. <laughs> it does not move in a very realistic manner, but it's definitely a bear. And by the way, I want to give credit to the visual effects guy. Like one dude did all the CG in this. And when he started this movie, he had never used the software before. He just knew that they had to do it. So he had to figure it out and he got better as he went along. Uh, but, you know, you know, kudos to him for the fact that they don't have a movie without the CG in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we'll give the dude all sorts of credit. So the bear not chases to, not, them. Hold on, hold on. Not to mention mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, like we, we've mentioned a bunch of times, like, yeah, a lot of these animals don't look realistic, but they're hilarious and it fits the tone of the movie perfectly. So they are also bad, not bad in a way like, I mean, you mentioned Birdemic, which I think came out in 2011 too, right? I mean, the CG in that movie is so bad that you can't even distance yourself mentally from the awful yeah. effects that you're watching. Yeah. Here, it's just cartoonish enough for you to be like, okay, now they're being attacked by a bear. There's a threat that they have to deal with. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> the bear starts chasing after them. Wolf falls down and uh, is about to shotgun the bear, but then someone runs by and the bear gives chase to them. Samantha is uh, now by herself for some reason calling for Brian. She can hear him screaming. Uh, Wolf and her have a weird interaction where she tries to kiss him. Samantha seems very confused is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Rachel now has a sword. Mo, where does Rachel get her sword? I don't know. I don't know where Rachel gets a sword, but she has yeah. one. Maybe she got it from that guy from the zombie army. <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. So Rachel has a sword. She says that they need to kill this thing. Wolf goes to help her. Samantha totally flakes out and starts running off by herself. Uh, and um, and they she ends up finding Brian's corpse, which is being eaten by the bear. Yeah, because you had said before that, you know, uh, when Wolf was on the ground, somebody ran by. It was Brian who ran by. It was by. Brian, that's right. And it's, it's funny to me that the bear, instead of going after the target who's already on the ground, decides to chase after the one that runs by. But hey, good good for Wolf. Well, maybe Brian had been shooting at it earlier and it has a hate on for him, Mo. A hate on. <laughs> so then this happens. Eat this, you piece of shit. Wolf tries to shoot the bear several times and does hit it, but it doesn't go down until what happens, Mo? Oh, until uh, Rachel runs over and chops its fucking head off with that yep. sword that she just mm-hmm. had. And it collapses. It's dead. Uh, Wolf hugs Rachel because she literally saved his life. And he says what I was thinking the entire movie. 
Jesus, Rachel, you're so freaking awesome. <laughs> she says, I know. Wolf then gives her a kiss, which surprises her. He apologizes, and she says, shut up, and they make out, Mo. Mo, whatever happened to Samantha? Who cares? We never find out, by the way. We, yeah. <laughs> the movie fades to white, but it's not the end yet. Sometime later, we see Wolf. He's hot-wiring a car. Rachel asks him how he knows how to do that. He says that, uh, Wolf says that her brother taught him. The radio announces that there are hundreds of nuclear strikes and the president is dead, Mo. If only. <laughs> if only. If only. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they turn it off. Apparently it is the end of the world and they have this conversation. So, where to, Rich? I don't know. North, south, east, west? It doesn't matter. How about Florida? How about Florida? No. Sounds good to me. Nope. East it is. He says he always wanted to go to Disney World. Mo, he's going to go down to Orlando, Florida. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's why that's a really bad idea. Um, one, it's Florida. Uh, and two, <laughs> and two. There's already so many animals in Florida that can kill you with no fucking problem that to come down here, like, it would be such a shit show. Gators and fucking flying insects and, oh my god. The good news, Mo, is that they drive off into the sunset. And then the last line of the movie is this. Hey, wolf. Yeah. The sun sets in the west. Fuck it. <laughs> they should have went up north, is what I'm saying, Mo. Right? Don't they you what? think so? They should have went up north to well, Canada. Yeah, I mean, it's it's colder there at the very least. Frozen wasteland. <laughs> um, yeah. That is the end of the movie. That's the end of Rise of the Animals from the year 2011. Our uh, intrepid heroes head west. Who knows what adventures they will find next. I will mention that on the commentary, there is a suggestion that uh, perhaps they one day would make a sequel to Rise of the Animals. However, this, as of this point, is Chris Wojcik's only film uh, from 2011, Rise of the Animals. Um, a What I think is a very entertaining, low-budget movie. I can only imagine they showed this to their classmates and it, would, it elicited an interesting response, especially from those classmates that maybe were a little more into Bergman and Fellini rather than this kind of movie. <laughs> uh, but then we get the closing credits. We get the full uh, Rising Animals song during it. A couple of radio reports. Anything else amusing about the closing credits? I didn't watch them. Well, it didn't really matter because there isn't really anything outside of that. Uh, the fact that the animals get a credit, including Steven Seagal uh, in there. But what's funny is like a handful of people made this movie, but they needed seven minutes of credits to make this movie almost 70 minutes long. So they filled out the names with like cast members of the Roseanne TV show and, <laughs> and characters from the Animorphs series, which wow. is apparently was a big influence on the making of this movie. Holy shit. That's yeah. Funny. Like that's I, apparently that's why like one of the lead characters is named Rachel because of Animorphs. 
I don't oh. know anything about Animorphs, Mo. I'm too I was going to say, I don't either. So if you, listener, know anything about that, <laughs> you let us know. Uh, and if you are the creator of Rise of the Animals, you should uh, reach out because I like this movie a lot. And even after now having watched it three different times, I have to say I still think it's incredibly entertaining. Very easy watch, an hour long, uh, and, and FX packed for a micro-budget uh, piece. I will say that having watched like behind the scenes stuff and listening to the commentary, they seem like children who have made this, which right. is completely appropriate because they were just teenagers, really, or people in their early twenties. But it's amazing how young and and young seeming they all are. Right. Uh, so I mean, I'd like to see with a few more years and maybe a little bit more experience some of the people involved in this and behind the scenes they've done other low budget projects. But in terms of them getting together and doing another project, I would love to see a follow-up to Rise of the Animals, Mo. Something like post-apocalyptic, like after all the nukes have gone off and it's just yeah. like po- pockets of humans or a pocket of humans trying to fucking survive against now Look, radioactive animals. Mo, if it's just an hour of someone punching a shark, that's fine by me as well. I, I just, I'd be totally fine see, with it, yeah. I just want to see some animals get killed. There's something in me, Mo. I just want to see animals die all the time. Maybe it's a problem. Maybe it's a psychological issue. But whatever <laughs> it is, uh, it's something that I enjoyed. Rise of the animals to aquatic uprising. Look, See? It writes itself, basically. <laughs> Mo, what did you think of Rise of the Animals from the year 2011? I thought it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, like, it's not like it, it wouldn't fall into like any of our like top lists, but it's definitely. I mean, enjoyable. I still say it would probably be top percentage on No Budget Nightmares, but that's not really saying a lot. No, no, not really. But I mean, it was a lot of fun. I thought the uh, the effects were goofy, um, but in a perfect way. And uh, it was really it was enjoyable, enjoyable, fun, goofy. That's how I would describe Rise of the Animals. Yeah, I think it's a good time. I think it's a very, as I said, a very easy watch. It's available for you, the listener, to watch right now, uh, which is, again, a kind of a rarity on No Budget Nightmares in the year 2019. And um, I really think that it was, it's a kind of movie which seems achievable. You know what I mean? Where because this was made by a group of people just using the equipment they had available, just running out without professional actors, that sort of thing. But they still made a movie that actually has a pretty tight, dramatic arc to it, Mm. where it's all about this chase to go to a certain location. They get there, and then everything kind of uh, uh, comes to a head once they arrive at the destination. I think it works as a movie, which is something that I don't usually say on No Budget Nightmares because I feel like in most of the cases on this show – plot is kind of secondary but here it actually makes sense the movie holds together a lot better than a lot of the movies that we feature indeed but mo that begs the question what are we going to watch for the final episode of no budget nightmares of 2019 (laughs) (laughs) we need something special you know in recent years mo we have special episodes to to uh bring our years to a close and frankly, 2019 has been a garbage year for everybody. It sucks. Just a bad time all around. Don't argue me. <laughs> Don't argue <laughs> me. Do not argue with me, Mo. Don't you dare. Um, so we needed something special, Mo. So what did we decide upon? Well, I mean, I, you had asked me earlier in the day to start thinking about, you know, what we should what we should watch. And my original I already had a movie in mind when I asked you that. <laughs> of course you did. Um, 
but uh, but my my brain was like, well, let's see if there's something like holiday themed we could do since it's the last sure. episode. Of the- mm-hmm. And then I thought to myself, I don't want to watch a fucking Christmas movie, even if it is like low budget <laughs> horror, whatever. I don't want to watch it. Um, so I made the suggestion if there was any directors or series that we hadn't touched on in a while or wanted to revisit. And you had said, well, we could watch the third Plaga Zombie film. And the second the words Plaga Zombie came out, I, I, I there was no doubt in my head that that was the next fucking thing we were going to watch. So we're going to watch the third Plaga Zombie film. To cap off the year 2019, Mo and I are going to watch Plaga Zombie Zona Mutante Revolution Toxica from the year 2011, uh, rounding out the trilogy of Plaga Zombie movies. Of course, uh, not the end of those movies because there's an American one that I, I don't believe has come out yet, but will be. Plaga Zombie 3 coming soon to the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Mo, I'm very excited. Me to, too. Uh, this is, I actually have not seen this movie Yet it's one I've been holding off because I knew eventually we're going to cl- to uh, to uh, cover it here, and also the the only time we would have ever completed a trilogy of movies on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. It's very exciting. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's also a, a series that we've been you know fairly okay. passionate about and very excited about. Um, uh, we we loved the first one. We really loved the second one. So I mean, I'm super excited to watch the third. Mo, are you just excited because you want to see John West again? Of course I want to see more John West. John West? Yes, I can't wait to see more John West as well. But I also can't wait to see how a Plaga Zombie looks in the year 2011, the same year that Rise of the Animals came out. I wonder how things have progressed in uh, Argentina since then. Hmm. I don't know. We'll find out. I guess we'll find out on the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Mo, if people want to, for whatever reason, check out... The plethora of No Budget Nightmares episodes that we've recorded, uh, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, I mean, obviously, the best way is if they want to hop over to that Facebook thing that all the kids are talking about. Uh, (laughs) They can go uh, just do a search for No Budget Nightmares, join the group, or they can go directly to us. It's facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, all one word. You can, of course, also follow No Budget Nightmares on Twitter at No Budget Podcast, all one word. And if you want to check out everything, including all of our episodes, and you want to subscribe, you want to leave us some feedback, if you want to do anything, go over to NoBudgetPodcast.com. You can always check us out. And, of course, the latest episodes will always appear at Dork. The latest episodes will always appear at ThatShelf.com. You can always check us out on there as well. Uh, Mo. Mm. How about you? People sometimes want to find you on social media and see what you're up to. Where are you to be found? Hmm. Honestly, the best place to find me is at the Facebook group, but I mean, like shit, they want, you know, if anybody wants to follow me on Facebook, they can. I'm at drunk on VHS, although I can't even fucking remember the last time I was even on there. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, Mo, you are uh, you have referred to the fact that you'll be making an appearance on the After Movie Diner podcast mm-hmm. in the near future. Yeah, every year we do, uh, it's the New Year's special. Uh, it's me and John and uh, Andrew Buckley and, um, <laughs> God, my fucking brain, uh, Doc Action as well. And uh, every year we always pick a bunch of movies. There's usually a theme involved involved in all of them. Like last year we did John Ritter films and regretted it. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did, um, you know, Andrew McCarthy films, which only regretted half of it. And I mean, we've, and we've done Roger Moore. We've done, we've done a bunch. I think this is like our sixth or seven year, seventh year doing it. So this year we're doing eighties teen sex romps. And I am very excited about that. Uh, because uh, anybody who's been a long-time listener of the show knows that it's one of my favorite genres of film, mm-hmm. uh, even though by today's standards, it can get a little dicey. <laughs> um, Mo, yeah. sounds like you're politically incorrect and proud of it. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that as such, <laughs> but I mean, like the fact of the matter is, is there there's a lot of stuff that happens in a lot of those movies that i mean let's face facts by today's standards would be considered sexual assault yeah absolutely you know and i'm not like saying oh you know it's the it's how it was back then but you know i'm a little less um I, i well i don't know what the term is i'm a little less sensitive about it with with these particular kind of movies because a lot of the times it's usually in the vein of uh, of an excuse to show boobs you know mm-hmm. and not that i'm saying it's right it's just saying what it is but uh but a lot of the times you know you a lot of these movies also are very empowering to other groups of people that like you know a lot of the times it's like nerds rising up or um or like women getting their revenge or, you know, that, that sort of thing where, the, you know, it's is... funny you say, I mean, it's funny because I imagine all of us are thinking of revenge of the nerds when you're saying this, right. Which of course has one of the most awful sexual assaults in it and also yeah. features horrible gay and Asian stereotypes in it. But, but, but that's the thing too, is that you're absolutely right. It does feature both of those things, but it also shows a group of guys who are completely inclusive you know, um, who don't, I mean, yeah, sure. Lamar is a total gay stereotype, uh, but he's never he's a good guy. At least he's yeah, a good guy. Exactly. He's one of the good guys. He's, uh, you know, he's never mistreated because he's gay, you know, and he's welcomed into the group and like, they don't it, like, it's not like, there's really only one moment in the film where they ever really even say the, uh, talk about him being gay and that's when they're talking about getting dates and Lamar says he has one and Booger says, yeah, with a guy, you know, but like they don't they don't judge him for it. It's just what he is, you know, look, it it, it was a different world. Uh, yeah. And that that is not an excuse for the content in a lot no. of these movies, but it is something to keep in mind when watching it. And right. I think there are it's just like watching a lot of the exploitation movies from the 70s and 80s sure. that we so enjoy. You have to watch them with modern eyes. I think you can be critical while still appreciating what these movies do. Right. Mm hmm. Mo, I'm also making an appearance on the podcast Under the Stairs. They're doing a Tremors retrospective, and it was a a random assignment in terms of which movie that you got to talk about, and I crossed my fingers and said, Tremors 1 or Tremors 2, but then I got Tremors 3, (laughs) which is fine, because I actually uh, never watched the entirety of Tremors 3, and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, It's going on at the podcast Under the Stairs, but the other thing to keep your ears out for is that about uh, five days from now, I am going to be recording a roundtable covering the entire filmography of Terry Gilliam, 
Uh, last year we did wow. the Cohen Brothers, which was quite an undertaking, and we've yeah. done uh, roundtables on David Cronenberg and John Carpenter in the past. But this time, Terry Gilliam. I'm in the midst of watching a lot of Terry Gilliam movies, but that should be coming either be- probably before the end of the year or at the very beginning of next year. And the other thing you should keep your ears out for is my new podcast, Cinema Smorgasbord. Launching in January 2020. It's uh, taken a while to get everything together, but it's just about ready to launch. That will cover everything under the sun, including Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man Redux, uh, the Jackie Chan podcast with you, our own stunts, Cinema Fantastica, which pits two films that have been featured in a uh, film festival against one another. We start that with an episode uh, pitting Fist of the North Star against Wicked City, two anime against one another, uh, hmm. kind of out of my comfort zone. Uh, and then we're going to dive into the Jackie Chan material after that. Also podcast devoted to Steve Buscemi, uh, Vic Diaz, and lots more to come. Uh, check that out on Twitter at the moment, at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. And uh, we'll have more information about that coming soon. Mo, have you watched any movies lately? Oh, I've watched a ton of shit lately. Um, I just I, So I got Disney Plus because, you know, like everybody fucking did. And immediately fell into a... Uh, fucking K hole of uh, <laughs> <laughs> of rewatching all the MCU films, so I've been kind of like doing not all cinema. Of yeah, well, whatever. I, I don't care. <laughs> they're, they're it's it's the funny thing about those movies is that like yeah, some of them are are bad, like just straight up bad. But like with the exception of like the first couple of Thor films or the first three Thor films, I love them. I like, I don't care if they're bad or if they don't really make sense. If you hadn't watched the other movies, you know, like they're, they're just fun. And I, uh, I couldn't care less if people don't like them. I, I enjoy them to no end and will continue to watch them as they come out. It's just something I think is a lot of fun. So whatever, but I've been watching a lot of those. Um, I watched uh, me, me and the lady had a uh, had a Studio Ghibli night the other night. Where I watched uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which was fun. Um, I had forgotten how like sort of like nothing that movie is. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's a, it's such a it's such a fun, cute movie. But like literally, it's it's nothing. It's just two girls kind of going about their day, and they you know they find this sort of like spirit guy and. It's it's not like Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke where there, there's like this huge kind of overall story arc that's going on where shit's like happening. It's literally just two little girls going about their day playing with their new spirit friend, you know, um, but it's just such a cute and fun movie that I don't care. Um, not everything needs to have this kind of, you know, three act uh, structure or something right. where there's there's this kind of dramatic tension going through all the whole yeah thing. no it's no exactly it's I mean like the most the, the like in that particular movie it's the B storyline that's the dramatic tension like right. you know what's going on with the mother and like you never even find out you know like she's in the hospital the entire fucking movie <laughs> um, and then at the end it's just sort of like well she's still in the hospital. You know, they don't say anything about whether or not she's going to get better or this, that, or the other, because it doesn't matter. It's now they've got their their spirit friend and they're doing their thing. Yeah. Fuck sick mom. <laughs> um, what else did I did I tell you that I finally watched Low Life? Oh, no. I did. What did you think? I loved it. I thought it was fucking fantastic. That's yeah, a good movie, man. Yeah. Really yeah. Re- really good. 
I'm looking forward to the follow-up, uh, hopefully coming in 2020. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that movie. Obviously, I talked about it a lot a uh, while ago. Uh, yeah. I, I'm friends with the director. Uh, we had him on Eric Roberts as the fucking man. Just the, the nicest, sweetest guy possible. And I hope for continued success because Low Life is awesome. Mo, I've been watching Terry Gilliam movies, as I mentioned. Terry Gilliam's top five favorite directors for me. I, I mean, I, I I'm having it. a lot of... I watched The, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen uh, for the mm. first time in a very long time last night. And I had a great time with it i uh, watched time bandits a couple nights ago and of course i mean these are classic amazing sure. movies honestly that time bandits brazil adventures of baron munchausen trilogy that he made in the 1980s it's hard to it's hard to top that and i don't think terry gilliam necessarily ever did but uh hmm. but that, in terms i mean you could have just done that and even outside of his like my python work and 12 monkeys and all the stuff that he would do later i that that i mean that i think it's his bona fides. <laughs> He's, he, he has his uh, uh, legend because of that, uh, sure. especially because of the difficulty in terms of making those movies. I've also been watching a lot of MGM musicals because they are on the Criterion channel. Honestly, the stuff that they've added recently is amazing. I need to pimp the Criterion channel whenever I can because if all of you don't sign up for it, it might go the way of Filmstruck and disappear at some point. Hmm. And it can't because I love it so much. Um, and I've also been watching uh, a lot of stuff on Tubi. TUBI.TV, which is an amazing free streaming service, which, hey, if you're the kind of person who likes listening to No Budget Nightmares, there is tons and tons and tons of low-budget horror movies and science fiction movies. There's lots of strange material if you dig into the depths of uh, the Tubi archives. Yeah, it's ad-supported, so you're going to have to put up with that. But, I mean, you can find work from Todd Sheets. You can find tons of work from Donald Farmer. You can find work from, I mean, basically all of the featured Low-budget filmmakers that we talk about are no-budget nightmares. They are on Tubi. So you should check that out. And I do not work for them, but it is a service that I'm happy exists. Yeah, I still haven't checked it out yet. I, I'm. It's free! Yeah, I know. <laughs> and there's even there's even apps on, like, PS4. Anyway, I'm not going to... I'm not going to put you out there, but uh, there's lots of ways to check out Tubi, including uh, even on places where you can't find a lot of streaming services like the PS4. Mo, I think it's time to bring this episode of No Budget Nightmares to a close. Indeed. Uh, I don't know how long we've been talking, but, oh, wow, longer than I would have thought, actually, <laughs> for a movie that was only 60 minutes. Uh, we will be back, ideally before the end of the year, <laughs> with Plaga Zombie 3. Uh, I'm really excited to check it out. I'm really excited to talk about it. Mo, do you have anything else to say? Uh, good night, folks. Good night, everyone. Eat this, you piece of shit! <laughs>